Welcome to Real Christianity, a weekly show designed to help Christians know their Bible, defend their faith, and truly understand what it means to follow Jesus. The premise is simple. The culture is getting louder. The church is getting flashier, but few pastors are teaching on how to live a biblical life. My name is Dale Partridge, along with my incredible wife, Veronica. Join us as we start an important conversation about what it really means to be a Christian. Welcome to episode number one of Real Christianity. Today, we are talking about how ordinary Christians can share the extraordinary gospel. Love it. So, welcome to the first episode. This is the first episode of Real Christianity, which was Ultimate Marriage, Mm -hmm. for 30 episodes. And we just wanted to expand our genre of conversation around the faith and family space to ex- to include more conversations around theology and general Christian life. Mm-hmm. We are absolutely going to be talking about faith and family and parenting and all those things as well. Um, we, we are going to hit topics like Sabbath. Um, we're going to hit topics like head coverings. We get that. I mean, how often do you get that? A uh, couple times a month. Yeah. A couple mm-hmm. times a month. We'll talk more about the church manhood, womanhood, pornography. These are the things that we get to talk about now because there's just more uh, availability than just talking specifically about marriage. Mm -hmm. This is a YouTube video. If you want to watch that, it's at the same place that the Ultimate Marriage YouTube videos were. It's just to search Dale Partridge on YouTube and you'll find it, a whole new playlist uh, that we're going to create for real Christianity. Um, You can also listen to this on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play and Stitcher and just about anywhere else that podcasts can be listened to. The last request we're going to make before we dive into today's conversation is, will you continue, um, actually not continue, will you, for the first time, leave a review? Yes, if you haven't already. If you haven't already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's the same podcast. So if you've left a review before an Ultimate Marriage, it'll actually show up for real Christianity. Mm -hmm. We have over 2,000 reviews. It's actually like very few podcasts have Do that many really? reviews. Yeah. My gosh. Very few podcasts insane. have that many reviews. And all you have to do is tap the stars. But if you write something, we will read it. And they are very encouraging to us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Quick update from last week's thing because we said, hey, we were just beat down, mm-hmm. tired. Um, we're doing better this week. Yes. We and, had a little bit of a break. Yeah. Um, we went away to our little staycation spot about 30 minutes away from our house um, at this place called Brasada Ranch. And we were there for two nights um, and it was, it was really good. It was good time for us to reconnect, mm-hmm. um, for us to just be friends instead of just husband and wife. Um, and it was fun. We, we time. exercised together. We went swimming in the pool. We had an indoor pool because it was like 20 degrees and snowing. It was totally like a total blizzard outside, but we're swimming and it was really cool because I have this, this glass garage doors so you can see the snow falling outside while you're swimming in the pool and it was we, really warm. We were twinning on Peloton bikes. 
yeah. experiencing that. And so we had, we cooked meals together. We read books. It was just a good time for us. And we are feeling better. Um, we are still not at the end of our trials, but yeah. we are absolutely feeling better. So, um, okay, let's get started. We're going to be talking about how the ordinary Christian, you and I, can share the extraordinary gospel. So less than 5% of Christians will share the gospel with one person per year. So it's a pretty, I guess, depressing stat that less than five, we're not, the average Christian isn't sharing the gospel that often. Mm -hmm. The average Christian is not sharing the gospel at all. And if they are, they're still not doing it that often. Um, In 2018, I'm going to read some stats here. Barna, the Barna Group, uh, did a study in partnership with the Seed Company, which is another research company, and found that 51% of church-going Christians, okay, this is not just people that call themselves Christians, but church-going Christians in the United States have never heard of the Great Commission. Never heard of it. More than half. Mm Mm-hmm. And we thought, I I thought, okay, well, all right, well, at least we have hope with the other 49%. If that's what you're thinking, sadly, you don't have hope there either because half of that, another 25% of that 49%, they've heard of the Great Commission, but they have no idea what it is. Mm -hmm. Not like, like they they like, oh, I've heard that word before, but I don't know what the Great Commission is. That means that only 25% of the Christians in the Western church know the great commission, which I would say is the mission of the church. And I'm, I hate relating the church to a business, but I'm going to do it just for a second to get my point across. Imagine any organization in which 75%, three quarters of the employees or team doesn't know the mission. Like, what kind of result do you get from that? Failure. Failure. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. that's exactly where we're at right now. Yeah, before I, be, um, not became a Christian, but before I entered into biblical community, um, I had no idea what the Great Commission was. I had heard of it. Now, now that I know what it is, I had heard of it. I just didn't know it was called the Great Commission. Sure. Um, in Matthew. And you'd been a Christian for several years. Oh, yeah. I had been a Christian, I don't know seven, eight years probably. Um, But if you don't know what the Great Commission is, let's uh, look into scripture. In Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I I am with you always even to the end of the age. Amen. So this is a really important passage of scripture. We need to memorize this passage of scripture. This is the Great Commission. This is the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. I think this is the ESV that I pulled from. It says, observe all that I commanded you. Well, that's a lot. That's a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. And so this is a really important passage. This is Jesus's last statement before he ascends into heaven. It's the very end of the book of Matthew. Mm. And it's the last instruction that he gives the apostles. It's written down. It's the church's mission. I'm not going to necessarily say that it's every individual person's mission. 
we are a part of the church and it's the church's mission. So we have to partake in that journey together. Um, now on Sunday, it's pretty easy to think that, well, man, all the great numbers of baptisms and the decisions for Christ. I know the church that we used to go to had like totals. Remember that? Yeah. And then on your, what is it called? A planner, not planner program, uh, program every week, they would have the number of baptisms that year, that um, month. people who have given their lives to Christ, um, you know, starting from the beginning of the year or the month. Yeah. And you know, we actually have two things working against us though. While those numbers are exciting to see and you're seeing people come to the Lord, uh, right now in the West and even in Europe too, this is actually a problem that's also happening in Europe. I think it's actually worse in Europe, but in the West, we have two things working against us. First is that more people are leaving than coming. So for the first time in American history, more people are leaving the church than coming. We are paying attention. Our eyes are looked at the door, the entry door. Look at all these people coming. The problem is, is we have not shifted our eyes to the back door where people are leaving. And for a variety of reasons, but people are leaving the church more than they're coming to the church at this point. And it's important to know that because the big mega churches in America will never let you think that. You know, they're, they're in the business of making sure that it's all about the good stuff. And that's, I'm not going to say that's all bad, but we do have to face reality that we have a problem in the church. We are actually diminishing. In 2015, this is four years ago almost now, uh, we saw that there, was, there wasn't one county in the census. There wasn't one county across America. I don't know how many counties there are, but there's a lot. There wasn't one county in which Christian population increased. That's so sad. We're literally decreasing across the country. It is absolutely happening. And it's at a 1.5% decrease in total American Christian population per year over the past 10 years. So I'm going to explain that, break that down. I know this is boring for some people that are like, don't like stats, but just bear with me here. That's a loss of 4.8 million identified Christians per year. I kind of like had to calculate these numbers here. So you're not going to, I don't have a reference to these, but I put a bunch of numbers together. We're losing 4.8 million, probably more now because the culture has become more hostile. 4.8 million identified Christians per year, every year for 10 years in a row so far. And so we got a problem and I don't know. What, what do you think's happening? Well, I think, at least for me, in my history, I think um, I was kind of trained in the institutional church to just be inviting people to church and let the pastor do the ministering, let the pastor do preaching the gospel instead of me myself uh, in, or preaching the gospel to them and discipling them and inviting them to church yes, and then like, inviting them to church. It's like this, we've been trained to outsource our spiritual responsibility Mm-hmm. of the Great Commission to do it. Let the professionals do it. Yeah, let the pastor do it. They, they're they the ones with the seminary. Our um, friends um, who live on our property, they they um, were at a church, um, a couple churches down in San Diego. And one of the churches down there, I don't know which church it was, um, is several weeks before Easter offered $10 gift cards, Starbucks gift cards to anybody who wanted to invite someone to coffee to invite them to the Easter service. Hmm. Now, again, we look at that and we go, oh, well, that's a good thing. Well, the reality is, is it's not that they they should have said, hey, why don't you, here's $10 gift cards. 
to go invite people to coffee to share the gospel with them. Mm. Instead, they said, no, invite them to just to invite them to church. Again, yeah, and, and we'll do it for you. And we'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. It's this training of that you're not equipped and qualified. We are. You just get people here and we'll do the rest. And that is not the biblical narrative that Jesus calls us to here. Yeah. Another thing for me is I, I didn't know how to share the gospel. Um, I didn't understand the whole gospel narrative yeah. uh, well enough to explain it to others. It's and it's hard. It's, mm-hmm. it, I mean, you have the three sentence gospel and you have the 300 page gospel. Mm-hmm. And so it is something that the longer you're in the church and the, lo- the more you've read the scriptures, you get to understand that, but it is, it is hard. Yeah. And another thing for me, I was, I was biblically illiterate and didn't know what the scriptures, I didn't even know the scriptures well enough to teach them to somebody else. Um, and then I was intimidated by, the amount of questions and responses that I would get if I shared my faith. Yeah. I want to stop you here for a second. Cause I just, I, I didn't write this in our notes, but I just realized that we got to remember that when Jesus gave this great commission, he just said this to his disciples who had been with him for three years. And so there was some extensive training. You know, we also see in Luke, he sends out the 72. Um, he sends out the 12. He, he, he gives them practice and training and so the idea is if you're a new believer, um, you shouldn't be expected. I don't think you're expected to be able to immediately replicate and share the gospel. Maybe you can share what you do understand for sure. But we, we got to remember that, that there was training that occurred before you were sent out. Yeah. And if you're, um, if you're, you know, can relate to my history and my story with um, my insecurities of sharing the gospel and you're a young mom or a babysitter or you're around children, you get to practice that every day with your children. Yes. You, you share the gospel with them. You live it out. You walk it out and you're discipling your children. And if you're, when you're doing that and you're living that out, your children are actually also learning how to do that. Yeah. And this is a really good thing because mothers and you, so, yeah, you get a lot of practice. Fathers, mothers, you guys get to share the gospel with your children, with your nieces and nephews. And we, we try to practice this all the time. Like we'll, we'll even share like, you know, Adam and Eve, they broke God's laws and now they're separated from God. Like we, mm-hmm. we share pieces of that. And why, you know, we're under God's wrath. What does that mean? You know, like I've asked the kids these questions. Yeah, it's usually a little bit of a, a bedtime kind of conversation that we'll have with them. Yeah. And do it, you know, 3000 times, you know, it's so casual in our house now. It's just what we do. Share the gospel with your kids. Mm -hmm. And and it it actually, it's very much practice. Well, and it's so amazing how much your children retain. You don't even realize our daughter just turned five last month and I go to put her to bed last night and she has an audio Bible that she listens to. I mean, it's, it's just the book of Genesis, but um, she's like, mom, this is Abram and, and God changed his name to Abraham. And this was, and that's Sarai. That was his wife. And God changed her name to Sarah. And they had a, uh, um, a servant, a name. servant named Hagar. And it's just so cute how much she's just remembering all of this stuff. And she does the same thing with things that we teach her. Yep. Um, so yeah. It's really yeah. Awesome. So don't, don't make this an outward message only outside of the home. This is absolutely an inward message um, to that. And, and so um, yeah, you said something a second ago that I want to make sure that we don't, um, pass over. Is just that, that I was intimidated. Yeah. You were intimidated mm-hmm. about just the responses that 
you know, some of these harder questions. Yeah. We live in such an intellectual world now and more people want answers on like evolution versus creation or sexuality or love, pain, when life begins, all the things. Yeah. Yeah. These are, these are harder, you know, we're intimidated if we go share the gospel and then this conversation comes up, I don't have an answer for that. So I don't want to go share the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Satan has done a really good job at aligning political and social unpopularity with the beliefs of the Christian faith. So meaning that right now Christianity is in the political world, biblical sexuality, biblical perspective on life, creationism, like these are unpopular ideas in the culture today. Uh, We were just watching a Netflix documentary called The Paleo Way. And we're just watching about just trying to eat healthier, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just this constant you undertone know, of evolution. Undertone of evolution. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I guess they, they show it in the in their intro. Yeah, exactly. The and so ape turning into man, but yeah. And so you need to be able to defend these basic things mm-hmm. um, and you need to be able to field them with logic and intellect in order to bring people along to this journey. And that's an important part that, that again, I think we've lost in the church, which we'll talk about here in a little bit uh, later in the show. Um, sadly, my experience with the gospel and why we're not sharing it, um, we've actually adopted because it's a, it's a kind of a, a permission as an out for the church. It's St. Francis of Assisi's famous quote. You've heard it all the time You've before. Preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Um, while I, I hear the heart of the message, it's like, don't just preach the gospel with words make sure you're living it out. People should recognize mm-hmm. the gospel in you and then you can use words. I get the heart of it, but it's, it's kind of given a license for us to not verbally share the gospel. And Romans ten seventeen is an important scripture. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, the great commission is not the great suggestion. It's not like, I just need to behave Christian. And then all of a sudden I'm sharing the gospel. That's not what happens. That's not what Jesus said. Go therefore. And he's making disciples and teaching them. Which means you need to equip yourself. Yeah. Teaching them to obey all that I commanded you. You got a life filled mission and purpose in the great commission. Um, Lots to teach there. So um, yeah. I think the big question that Christians want to know is how do I best share the gospel? Yeah. And this is, there's so many people that are gifted evangelists and I don't Mm -hmm. want to make sure that there's not a one size fits all. Yeah. And also there are people that are evangelists, like they're gifted at evangelism. Mm -hmm. And then there are some people who are teachers and some people who are pastoral or prophetic or whatever that might be. We're all called to, the sh- to share the gospel in some capacity, even if we don't have the gift of evangelism. We've mm-hmm. met people that are like total evangelists mm-hmm. and they're just epic at it. No fear, total walking up. Like we'll share the gospel, you know, 10, 20 times a day. Really gifted. Yeah. I mean, we were at dinner one time with a friend who was in town and he just asked our, uh, our server right then and there. Yep. Boom. Yeah. Do you, yeah. About, about Jesus. And it's, and those people are, if you're not that person, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You still have a role to play though in the body. Um, and so again, I think, I think um, how do I best share the gospel? I want to start with, again, Christians don't, 
share the gospel either because they don't know it. So that's mm-hmm. one thing. Um, they don't believe it, mm. which is a serious dilemma, meaning that they actually like don't, don't really believe it. Like they're still not, their faith actually isn't solid. So yeah, then I wouldn't say that they're a Christian. Yeah. They, they call themselves it. Christians, mm-hmm. but, but they actually don't necessarily believe that, that maybe they, they've heard a wrong gospel and they actually haven't been set free from their sin. They're not seeing the fruits of it in their own life, whatever it is. Um, or they're afraid of the response that they'll receive, which I think is probably the biggest. Oh yeah. Especially in today's culture. Yeah. They're afraid of the response. Um, Romans one sixteen. Again, I love that he opens up the book. Remember Rome is harsh territory uh, to share the gospel at this time. And Paul writes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. And so we just blanket that whole thing with that scripture right there in your heart is that you, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the father. Like we, we, we are not to be ashamed of the gospel as Christians. We got to figure out what is it that's stopping us or preventing us from the gospel. Hey, Dale Partridge here. We hope this podcast has been a blessing to your walk with God. For those that don't know, Real Christianity is an audio ministry under our nonprofit, relearnchurch.org. I'm telling you this because we're a listener-supported podcast. It takes a small team, a serious amount of equipment, and several hours per week to keep this show going. I share this because Veronica and I want to grow the reach of this show so that it might help even more Christians mature in their understanding of God's Word. So if you're a regular listener to this podcast, would you consider supporting us in this ministry effort? We're not asking for much, maybe $10, $20, or $25 per month. I promise you that your support will help us continue to get God's truth out, to strengthen the body of Christ, and to further the gospel. If you feel led to make a donation, simply go to relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Thank you so much for your consideration. So what is it? What is the gospel? Yeah, this is, and I think this is just what people need to know. Mm -hmm. What is the gospel? Like, how do you break it down? As I said earlier, you can have the three line version. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can have the 300 page version. Yeah, that's why I had said earlier, you know, there's there's not a one size fits all approach. Yeah. And the more you know about it, the better you get at sharing it. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing this in our lives. Um, We're more equipped to answer those questions, to share the deeper narrative when people come um, and so what is the gospel? Well, it's good news. Um, and it can't be good news if there isn't bad news. And so I'm going to ask Veronica, what's the bad news? That before receiving Christ, we're sinners and we have broken God's laws. This is key. I mean, so this is, we can't have good news, which the gospel is the good news. If there's no bad news. If there's no bad news mm-hmm. and there's bad news, meaning that you can't heal people of cancer if they're not willing to admit that they have cancer, mm-hmm. that they're sick. And this is actually an easy way to do this in people's lives is the guilt and shame that, that everybody feels. Mm-hmm. And how do I know that that's true? Well, Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly, is about shame. And it's like sold millions of copies because people are looking for ways to deal with their guilt and shame. In other words, we have something to be guilty and shameful for. We're lacking 
someone to be guilty and shameful to. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we want to be forgiven. And so the word secular, uh, it actually means um, to desacralize. It means to actually remove the shame. And so that's why, oh, go kill your baby and don't feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, go look at pornography. Don't feel bad about it. Oh, go explore this sexuality and don't feel bad about it. Oh, go get drunk and don't feel bad about it secularization is the removal of shame. So it's very obvious in a culture that we are guilty. We are shameful. And, and that's a good starting point to make aware to people that, you know, that shame you feel it's because you've broken God's laws. He put it in our conscience that we go, Mm -hmm. that doesn't feel good. Yeah. Another point for what is the bad news is we've been separated from God. And in order from, for God to remain just, we deserve to be punished. Yeah. So this is another part of this. God is all loving. God is all truthful and God is all just. Yeah. So in other words, outside of Christ, we are under God's wrath, but instead of inflicting his wrath upon us, he sends his son, Jesus, and inflicts the punishment onto him. Okay. This is, again, this is the basic narrative narrative right Mm -hmm. here. God can't not punish us because then he wouldn't be just. Mm -hmm. And so he comes up with this like rescue plan and he sends his son, Jesus, God incarnate in the flesh and inflicts the wrath. Uh, You know, the word of propitiation that we see in first John, that word propitiation says that Jesus Christ is is the propitiation for our sins in the whole world. Um, It means to appease the wrath of God through blood sacrifice. And so instead of inflicting the wrath on us who deserve it, Mm -hmm. he inflicts the wrath on his son who doesn't deserve it. Jesus. And that's Mm -hmm. grace. Yeah. That's grace. That, that is at the core. What we say about grace that that's what, that's what grace is. We don't get what we deserve and he, he gets what he doesn't deserve. It's pretty crazy. And it's actually summed up, Nicely in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life or have eternal life. That's what it's talking about. And so you have this issue. You got the problem. Mm-hmm. We're under the wrath of God. We've broken the laws. In order for God to be just, he has to bring consequences. He doesn't give them to us. He gives them to Jesus. And how do we escape this wrath? Because the sacrifice has been appeased. Well, it's simple. It's really simple. It's in Romans 10, nine. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord mm-hmm. and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Simple. Two th- parts. Make Jesus Lord in your life and believe that God raised him from the dead. Believe in him. Have faith in him. And, and this is, you know, if, if you want to be out from under God's wrath, that, that's all you have to do. It's super simple. Yeah, you were saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Yes. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And you're going to have to practice your narrative, how you do that. There's so many articles and videos on how to do the gospel. Mm -hmm. So the next big question is, how do you share the gospel? Yeah, so this is the how. Um. So I'm going to take this section and then Veronica is going to kind of close up with some points here in a minute. 
Um, and we can tell some stories too, even in this section about okay. what we've walked through. Yeah, so we're going to read First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It's an important verse. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense. That word defense means apologia in the Greek. It's the word that we get our, our, our term apologetics from. Uh, and it says, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. So it's a command Peter's writing to these new Christians. First off, always be ready. So people you got to be ready. And what this first chapter one and chapter two of first Peter is all about personal holiness and being different and looking different. And you're so different that people notice how holy you are. And they ask you, why are you so hopeful Mm -hmm. and so different? There's something different about you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if people aren't asking you questions, then you might have a problem. Um, And it says, always be ready to give a defense that word also is answer in the English, but a defense. Like you got to be able to explain yourself. You've thought about this. You've been preparing for this to everyone, not just to some people that are convenient. It's the scriptures later says in season and out of season, whether you're ready for it or you're not, you be, you be ready. You take the time. So you don't drop the ball when an opportunity in this, the Holy spirit brings a moment. I've, I've actually in my own walk, and I've said, said this to, to you, babe. It took me being so mad that I didn't have the answers. I was tired of not having the answers mm. to get serious about reading the scriptures. The Lord kept softballing me some opportunities and I just didn't have the answers. People would ask me questions and I would go, I just don't know. And it's not because I just haven't had enough time. It's because I haven't prioritized mm-hmm. the word of God. And it says to do so in meekness and in fear. You got to do this in a gentle spirit and reverence like to the Lord. You're not here to go sell anybody into the gospel. Um, so a couple things I want to mention. First off, how we share the gospel. You need to determine if this is an honest or dishonest skeptic. Is someone really interested in hearing the gospel or do you just, are you just out sharing the gospel with anybody that has a pulse? Because, you know, Jesus says, don't cast your pearls before swine. And we've, we've definitely seen people out on the street, street preaching, sharing the gospel, or talking to people, arguing with people, getting heated with people. These people are there. If, identify if they're honest, if they're really curious. Or if they just want to scoff at your faith. Or have an argument. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just get angry with you because Satan is all about that. Mm -hmm. And he'll throw someone that knows the word better than you to go destroy your argument. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that happen too. Um, As you see the apostles or even Jesus share the gospel, they only do that blanket gospel, like kind of a blanketed gospel when they're talking to crowds. That's just what you see. Um, when they're one-on-one, they speak directly to the person's incorrect thinking. Jesus will, when someone asks a question, he responds to the question, you know, Hey, good teacher. And he goes, why do you call me good? 
um, what do I need to do to, to, to inherit eternal life? Like you think that he literally says, good teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And he, Jesus, instead of seizing the deal, like, oh, you asked, I would love to tell you. He asked them, he returns to the question. Why do you say that I'm good? There's only one good, but there's only one good and it's God. Like it's a different approach than we take. And, um, in other words, they lovingly and logically challenge uh, the worldview held by that person um, first before delivering the gospel. And I, I want to explain what this is. What we're going to be talking about right here is apologetics that kind of undergird evangelism. And the word apologetics really means pre-evangelistic truth. And so it's kind of the work that happens prior to sharing the gospel. Um, and we forget as ministers of the gospel and as Christians, because again, I don't think that the church has done a great job of teaching this in the modern era, but is absolutely taught in, in, in uh, church past. We forget that we often have to help people disbelieve something first before they can believe the gospel, something new. We, we actually have to have a disbelief. Evangelism must include the discipline of helping people subtract and I want you to just sit on that for a second. People don't generally give up their beliefs, their whole belief worldview, mm-hmm. like off the cuff, like, oh yeah, I'm just going to just switch my worldview for your worldview. Yeah. That doesn't happen. And so when you talk to a, a Muslim about Jesus, it's generally in my experience, and there's a book called uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus by Nabil Qureshi. He talks about, it's a conversation there's the guy, his friend David needed to help him deconstruct what he currently believed and show him what, that it's wrong before he could reconstruct the gospel of Jesus Christ on them. He needed to help him disbelieve something else first before he helped him believe the gospel second. And that is, you know, so if people have their, their white knuckling evolution, the gospel is going to be really hard because it, it requires you to let go of that. So what you do instead is you chip away at that evolution element. You chip away at their naturalism. If they're struggling with the, the view of sexuality, biblical sexuality, you need to go deep and chip away at that. And this is, again, the act of apologetics. It doesn't take place of evangelism. It's just the pre-evangelistic work. Um, you know, I often... Um, ask people, you know, once a relationship has been established, I ask questions like, uh, what do you think happens after we die? You know, this is a good relationship question. Um, what do you guys think the meaning of life is? Like prompting these harder, deeper questions. If you're trained on how to get the proper answer, uh, why do you think you were born? You know, what, how do you define right and wrong? Like these are huge questions that everybody has an answer for. And you'll realize how insane some of these answers are when they give them to you. Mm-hmm. They've just kind of manufactured this like their own. They may, or they make them up on the spot. Yeah, they make them <laughs> up on the spot. And it does take practice. So all this stuff takes practice. Don't get overwhelmed with this. It takes practice. I just want you guys to know that we should be training for this. Mm-hmm. And sadly, the church at large hasn't done the, great, the greatest job at this. Um, and again, why do this? Why help people disbelieve? Jesus Christ is a foundations shatterer. He shatters the foundations and rebuilds them back upon himself. And, and he does this actually all the time. Look at the rich young ruler, sell everything and give it to the poor. Pick up your cross and follow me. Boom. Sh- foundation just shattered. Wait, what? Sell everything I have? 
like let go of everything and make you priority. Like get rid of everything. You see Paul doing this in Galatians. Um, uh, He says, telling the Galatians, what purpose does the law offer if it cannot save? He's taking the Jews that are like, their whole foundation is on the law and he just like rips it out from under them. He challenges that. Um, Paul is persuading the Greeks in the book of Acts that Diana is an object made by human hands. Like he's just ripping out the fact that you made that thing. You carve that with your own image and you're now worshiping it. Mm. So we, we, we have to, through patient relationship, challenge people's views and find out where the crux is at. And we, we rarely see uh, blind preaching of the gospel. We, we actually see in the scriptures, we actually see ministers asking questions and deconstructing through relationship. That's what, that's how we do it. That's how I do it at least. Yeah. And so I just want to be clear after Dale shared what he shared is that looking for opportunities to share the gospel isn't bad. Um, but more importantly, to be looking for relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so go love on people. The Lord in his timing will give you the opportunity to ask and share the gospel. Ask yeah. questions, share the gospel. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is good. And just, we did this, the, every time I go get my hair cut, mm-hmm. I'm always trying to share the gospel with the girls that cut my hair. Mm-hmm. And we, we, one lady was ready to have dinner with us, with her and her boyfriend. Yeah. But we just, they, they canceled on us. But um, we also, why don't we share Stephen's story? You know? Um, yeah, we had a couple over for dinner um, and we've known them through mutual friends. Mm-hmm. They came over for dinner and you had taken him upstairs and preached the gospel to him, spoke with him and you'd, we'd met them several times before, but it was our first time like having dinner with them. Um, you preached the gospel to him. He respectfully declined. Um, and he struggled with the sexuality component of like, you know, homosexuality and how do I deal with that? And here's my views. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he respectfully declined and we continued the evening and it was fine and, you know, went on our way. And then, I don't know, a few months later, um, he was talking to somebody else who was a believer and, you know, planted another seed and spoke to somebody else who was a believer and eventually gave his life to Christ and has been baptized and is now a believer. And now, yeah. Tends to, he, yeah, he comes to the Bible study that, Bible we, study, yeah. that you've been teaching and then you're actually marrying him and his fiance here pretty soon. Crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And once the, the person that shared the gospel in which he accepted the Lord said, do you need a Bible? He says, oh no, Dale already gave me one. <laughs> and, yeah. and so it's just, we got to remember that journey. And uh, I know Veronica will share a verse about that here in a little bit. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 8 says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Yeah, so this is showing like, you know, I was one guy that planted, someone else Mm -hmm. watered it. Someone else did some other watering and nurturing, but God brought the increase. Mm -hmm. And that's just how we have to be remembering the gospel, like that process. Yeah. So 
the core message of what we want to leave you with is that Jesus has work for us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the meantime, we should be training and preparing and practicing, studying so that we can be ready to give a defense for our faith when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah. And this is, this is the message that we want you guys to walk away with is that do we all need to become evangelists in terms of just that evangelistic gifting? No, I'm just saying is that, man, if you're not sharing the gospel with anybody per year, is it because the Lord literally hasn't offered you an opportunity? Is it because there isn't anybody to share it with? No, it's because we haven't prioritized that or we don't believe that one that a metaphor I use is that I go, we're walking around in a world that is starving and we have food. Mm-hmm. And when you start remembering or that is sick and we have medicine, however you want to put it, you got to just re- have Jesus's heart and go back to the scriptures and go, Lord, give me a heart that I might see what you see and give me opportunities. Give me the words, help me understand who you are in your gospel so that I can share. And so hopefully this was helpful and edifying for you guys. Um, our next episode we're going to tackle head coverings. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> lots of, it's actually becoming a more popular conversation. Um, mm-hmm. I think more and more women are asking about it. Um, and I think it's an important, I even get husbands that write me about it. Um, so I think we're going to give just our take on it and the biblical perspective on it um, and even the church's historical perspective on it. And then we will uh, hopefully help you guys have uh, an understanding of that. We're also going to shift from memory verses to really thought-provoking ideas, quotes, commentary, something at the end of every episode that's just going to go, ooh, that was good. Because sometimes I see like a Charles Spurgeon quote that I'm like, oh, wow, that's so good. Or something from John Gill or something from, you know, uh, even a modern pastor, Paul Washer maybe. And I want to share it. And I think it's important. However, today it just happens to be a scripture again and it's the great commission. And we want to challenge you to memorize that. It's something that we should memorize and I'll let Veronica read it. Matthew 18 or sorry, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So memorize the great commission. Um, again, last things before we close out, if you would be so kind to leave us a review Uh, Just tap the stars if you're on iTunes or just write something that would be really helpful for really furthering the opportunity for people to see the show or hear the show. The show notes for this show are now available at relearnchurch.org forward slash podcast, relearnchurch.org forward slash podcast. All the episodes prior to that, um, you know, 30 and back are at our companion ministry at ultimatemarriage.com. Just go to the podcast section. You can see all the old episodes, older episodes there. But going forward, they will all be found at relearnchurch.org. That is it. Until next week. We will see you then. Take care. Hey, Dale Partridge here. I recently heard a disturbing statistic. Only 11% of Christians have read the entire Bible. 
Now, we can't wonder why the church is being influenced by the culture more than the culture is being influenced by the church. The vast majority of Christians don't know God's word because they've never read it. We cannot live out what we do not understand. So Veronica and I want to challenge you right now to read the Bible in one year. We've put together a basic 365-day reading plan that'll take you no longer than 20 minutes per day, and you can download it for free at relearnchurch.org forward slash Bible. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash Bible. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. Real Christianity is an audio ministry of relearnchurch.org. If you'd like more information on how to live out a biblical life, relearnchurch.org hosts a variety of articles, podcasts, sermons, and videos to support your journey. Real Christianity is a 100% listener-supported ministry, and if you'd like to support our efforts, simply click the Donate tab at relearnchurch.org. You can also connect with both Veronica and I on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for daily lessons and Bible teachings. Thank you for being with us today. We hope to see you next Wednesday for another episode of Real Christianity.